0: or enjoy many hundreds of these recorded talks, dating back to 1996.
1: Okay, welcome back. Now is the time we go around the room and introduce ourselves. My name is Jay Corbett. I am Colena. My name is Andre. I'm Leonard. My name is Freddie. I'm Milam, my name is Rich, Baruch, Mm -hmm. I'm Mike, I'm Sven, I'm Peter, my name is Michael, (coughs) my name is Gary, my name is Steve, I'm Todd, my name is Les, William, I'm Joe, Peter, (coughs) my name is Kate. William, my name is Glenn, my name is Mark, I'm David, Richard, Peter, my name is Jerry. David mm-hmm. I'm George. My name is Ray Dyer. I'm Richard Azzolini. My name is Douglas. My name is Mark. Jack. Jim Stewart. Paul. Mary. My name is Clint. My name is Roy. I'm Jerry. Match. Anyone else? <clears throat> Anyone here for the first or second time? Uh, Welcome. Please uh, stay afterwards and be welcomed by the the Sangha. Um, Our guest speaker today is uh, Karen Van Dyne. Karen connected with the gay community in 1985 as a member of Radiant Light Ministries where she served as a prayer counselor. Through the AIDS epidemic of the 80s and 90s, she worked with the San Francisco Healing Center leading meditations, memorials, and assisting many with conscious dying. After spending time as a student at Tassahara Zen Monastery and on retreats with Thich Nhat Hanh, she founded the Living Peace Meditation Community in 1993 and has served as its primary facilitator for the last 15 years. She offers private interview sessions focused on deepening one's meditation and dharma practice. And today she will give us a talk titled, Journey Towards Freedom, Courage, Truth, and Love. Karen.
2: Thank you. Thank you all, it's so wonderful to be back here. I had the privilege of being here last January, and I was so excited because The gay community has been my freedom call. You guys have been the inspiration, the teachers, the ones who have shown me courage, the ability to speak the truth, the ability to walk in freedom and in great celebration and in great loving kindness. I am privileged to be a straight woman (laughs) who's part of the gay community. (laughs) And I so appreciate you inviting me into your precious Sangha. A few weeks ago, in my own life, I found myself dropping down into this greater state of Sadness and difficulty and I thought what is going on I mean I visited this place why am I here so deeply now and initially I had judgment and wanting to change it and make it go away and then it dawned on me oh okay <laughs> I'm deeper in my journey to freedom that's what's really going on so today I'd like to share with you <clears throat> from my experience just some thoughts, perhaps some tools on this whole business of freedom. And what is freedom? It's why, why are we enslaved? What is enslavement and what is freedom? I remember in those 80s when I was in Radiant Light, and I was really working the course in miracles and all these wonderful things and believing in light and miracles and life is good and da da da. da. And I was in <clears throat> I was in Marin and I went to the bookstore at the depot and I I was such a seeker. I saw this book on Buddhism and it jumped off the shelf and I opened it randomly and the Four Noble Truths were there, and the first thing I read was, life is suffering. I went, oh, no, but <laughs> <more than> <laughs> <after>. <laughs> I, Life is suffering? Oh, no, I'm doing everything in my power to get away from that. There's no well, way I want to I... be with that. What, what is, and yet, you know, deep in my soul, I know the reason I'm a seeker is because I have suffered so greatly. What you know? What is this suffering? What is this enslavement? When does it start? What do we do about it? And, and when I think back, and, and what is it in the first place? And in practice, and and through my life, I've learned, you know. Suffering is attachment. Fine. <laughs> Fine. What do you do with that? It's attachment. Okay, I'm unattached. Right, I'm unattached. I'm fully attached. What happened? How, how did I get that way? So, you know, you go back and you go back and you go back. And, okay, each one of us experiences that suffering. So besides knowing that it's attachment... I I also know it's the rising of the separate self. It's the belief that we are not in union. It's the belief that we are not one with all. Right? One with all. I'm lucky if I can be with myself in any aspect. So, when does suffering start? I don't know. When you were a kid, way back when. I, I imagine most of us have some, maybe a minute or two of innocence. Maybe some years of feeling like we belong, that we're embraced, that we're a part of, and then things start to happen. <clears throat> For me, very traumatic things happened. I was, very, I was raised by an extremely abusive mother who was so narcissistic, she was incapable of loving And she said heavenly wonderful things to me, like, no one is ever going to love you repeatedly you cost too much you know you're not worth it what did I do with that here's this prime person in my life who represents love I believed her I believed her with every fiber of my being I believed her I thought she spoke the truth and I took it on we all take it on and then we bury it and then what do we do we do many many things we we, out of an experience we establish a belief and that belief becomes true to us it's true it's absolutely true to us at that time so then what do we do okay this being unloved I don't like it I want to be loved so what so what do I do I, I develop the strategies well maybe 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 if I'm really good I'll be loved maybe maybe if I give up myself entirely and just focus on other people and go away maybe maybe that'll work Maybe I'll be loved if I do that. But all of these beliefs that I believe are true and these strategies that I think are going to work, I don't know it at the time. I have no consciousness of it at the time. But they become my conditioned reality. They become what I live and breathe. And I don't even know it. It's called conditioning, it's called ego, it's whatever you want to frame it. But it's all of those choices that we make to survive in a hostile world that we perceive as a hostile world. And we make these concrete beliefs based on these experiences. And we operate our life from that state of being. And we continue living, and then we start to realize, hey, this ain't working, I'm still feeling lousy, uh, so maybe we develop other behaviors, things like addictions what are you know addictions are not just smoking and drinking and sex. let's face it, <clears throat> maybe I'm addicted to my work, to distraction, anything to you know. Keep me from feeling this pain, please. Help me not feel this pain. Maybe I'll just check out. Maybe I just become, I became totally numb to many things. So, what do we do? Talk about attachment. I mean, this is like cellular core. I believe it with all of my heart. Yet, is it true? When my mother was hateful, I believed that hate, and to this day, I work with self-hatred. However, I work with it. It doesn't have me now. For years, it had me wholeheartedly. So, how does this work? What, What do we do? These strategies are fascinating to become aware of. This conditioning is fascinating to become aware of. And if you do see it as fascinating rather than judging, awful, whatever. The, those two weeks ago when I was feeling so down in it, my judgment was <clears throat> right. Judgment was all over the place until <clears throat> I realized that what was actually there was Loving kindness for myself. I was able to find that. How? It's taken me a lifetime of work. It's not something that happens overnight. But how do we start to unravel these beliefs, these strategies? I think there are many tools that we're given. It's tricky to start to even hear the voice of conditioning. Person who's done a lot of work in this field, who's excellent, is Sherry Huber. I really recommend her books. They are so simple; they make you crazy. You read the first sentence, and you want to go right. You know, it's just they're very penetratingly simple. But what do we become? We become first inquirers. We begin to ask questions. Why? We began to question our own authority, we began to question our own feelings, we began to question what's going on. In the 80's another thing concept that was given to me was the idea of choice, and I remember it so clearly. I remember going, choice, right. Everybody else, has, there is no way I've got choice, there's just no way I have choice. I'm locked in. I." I'm victimized in a certain way. That's it. That's it. It's a done deal. You know, you can choose. I can't. It was such a concept. It just blew my entire mind. So I decided to start just playing with it. You know, can I play with it in the most simple, rudimentary, elementary way? I think when I speak of courage, to me the courage is to be simple. The courage is to be a kindergartner. The courage is to say, I've got dog do on my shoe. It's to say what is. Really flat out, plain and simple and ordinary and just what is. So I decided, okay, I'm going to play with this choice business. This is way before I knew about insight meditation, any of that. So I said, okay, all day I'm just going to just its I'm going to feel really dumb, but oh well. So right now I'm choosing that I feel depressed. I'm choosing that, right? Right now I'm choosing to eat breakfast. But then I started doing it when I was making a phone call. And I would sit for a minute and go, huh, I want to call this friend of mine, but what I really want is for this person to help me in this specific way. In the old days, I would be, oh, hi, how are you? And convoluted. Can I just say, I want you to help me? That's terrifying. Can I be honest enough with myself to know what I am actually saying and doing and choosing? Daily, simply, little itty stuff. Can I name it? Can I have that much courage? can I be strong enough that when I ask my friend for something that I can just say because what's up for me is I'm unlovable no one's going to care that's what's all in the way all those beliefs are what are in the way this person can take it or leave it but I got all that conditioning mess in the way so it's clouding every relationship everything I do because it's right there do I have the courage to go what I really want is can you help me can you come on Tuesday and help me move this wood they can say yes, they can say no I, used to, I would just tremble sometimes because it took so much courage to just say that truth but that's how I started and to this day is it true and how do we know? How do we know if it's true? Or how do we know if it's our really sneaky conditioning that's talking? <clears throat> how do you, how do you know? How do you know if it's your inner pure awareness or it's that sneaky little conditioning getting in there? It's practice. All of this is practice. Conditioning's voice, usually, 99% of all the time, Conditioning's voice is lying, nasty, makes you feel horrible, puts you down, is very logical, has very good explanations, is very mental. But usually if you're listening to Conditioning, you feel shut down in some way. Because all of it is lies. All of it is lies trying to keep you safe in your old belief system. But if you do that, you're going to... No one's really going to like you if you do that. You're really going to prove that you're on level. If you do that, sh- curtains, everybody's going to know how horrible you are. Conditioning. When my mom told me point-blank to my face that no one is ever going to love you. And I believed her with all my heart. Was it true? What my mother said truly happened. Am I unlovable? Is that belief true? No. no there are still little tiny cracks of me that believe that now and again it's my conditioned voice it's taken time to tell the truth to find the truth to know the truth so I find it helpful to just say what is and in Buddhism that's what we learn what is is, what is, because usually, truthfully, what is, is impermanent, impersonal, it's just what is, I happen to have a crappy mother, oh well, it's the hand I was given, perhaps that's why I have compassion, perhaps that's why I sought insight, perhaps that's why I became such a seeker, I don't know, who cares? It's what happened. It's not who I am. But these concepts of thoughts are thoughts, you know, we suffer because of our thoughts, our feelings, our perceptions. That's why we suffer. But fine, that's a concept. What the heck do you do with it? How do you walk around with it? How do you penetrate it? What does it take? I remember back in the 80's, um, and, and so much of this is consciousness. I was unconscious that I made those choices as a child. Of course I was unconscious. Recently, during this dark time I had recently, because my story, I don't know how you are with your story. We all have stories. Sometimes they're so great and, you know, whatever. Stories have lots of good things about them. First, if you say your story, it kind of takes the pressure off for a while and you can be okay. It's kind of like, you know, you don't get anywhere. You, You feel better momentarily, but anyway. The story also gives you lots of excuses and permission to stay how you are, whatever. I used to tell my story, but I would feel like I was reading a cereal box. I was so disconnected from it. The truth is, I could not digest it. I I could not really get it. So I had kind of put it outside of myself, and I could tell you it, but it didn't have anything to do with me. Recently what happened was came back, but I felt it. I actually felt it. And what happened when I was courageous enough to allow myself to actually feel it? I had so much compassion for myself. My God! Of course I made the strategy choices I made. Of course. What else would a little child have done? Of course. So that awful weeks of feeling, I was feeling it. I was having it. And what happened was, my heart opened to myself, where I usually bring hatred, And judgment and all the ego things of yada yada yada. I was able to hold that little girl and go, Of course. Of course. Back in the 80s, when I was starting, well, who knows when you start to become conscious? Who knows when you go unconscious? It's constant, you dance. Consciously, unconsciously, it's just a dance. But I remember becoming aware of myself as a martyr and a victim. And I was just like, Oh God, it's just dead. I can't believe that that's what I do. And the fact that I was even feeling it made me, of course, feel even worse. And I remember being in my home alone. And again, risking courageously, <clears throat> can I just feel this? And I started feeling what a worm I was. I mean, I was so low. I was such a piece of shit. I, and I started embodying it, and I ended up crawling on the kitchen floor and just feeling it, feeling it and moving in how Wah! I was just uh, receiving it and I kept doing it and suddenly I started laughing. <laughs> I was just starting cracking up. And what had happened? And I didn't know it at the time, but what had happened was I had been willing to be in what was I had so much aversion about. I had so much judgment about. I was willing to feel that judgment and that aversion in such a way that it, it was like a clogged toilet, it, it moved, it unclogged. And I was sitting on the kitchen floor and I was crying and I was, I was so happy. I would come to the other side, and I didn't even know it. And I didn't even know I would, I didn't know anything about it. I just had the courage to embody that truth in me, that thing I had believed my whole life. And recently I even had an insight about that. It's like, I have had a burdensome life. Martyrs have burdens. <laughs> that's why, that's what they do. Without a burden, it's impossible to be a martyr. And again, I thought, oh, of course, what else would I have done? Compassion. Compassion. One of my favorite poems by Thich Nhat Hanh is Call me by my true names. I don't know if you know it. But he talks about boat people and pirates coming and attacking them and pirates raping girls. And, you know, what do we normally do? We go into judgment. The pirates are awful. The girls are are wonderful. And he's going, The truth is, I'm the pirate. I'm the rapist, I'm the raped, I am all that it is, and for me going around being good, I've been making it my practice to be sassy, to be out there, because the truth is we live in duality, we live in duality. this goodness that I believed I was and tried so hard to be, in truth, when I really look with insight at some of that goodness, some of that goodness is a really nasty goodness. It's manipulative goodness. It's goodness that does it for its own sake, etc. It's like, oh my God, how do I own that? But it's the truth. Do we have the courage I, when, when I find one duality and I can't find the other one, I know I'm in hot water. Because when I find the other part, then I can finally find the middle way. But if I only have the one part, there's no way I'm finding the middle. Today, I was sitting in the car with my dear friend Milam before I came in, and I was feeling I had some anxiety. And I realized I was excited. They're both the same thing. And because I was able to say, I'm feeling a little nervous, but it's really because I'm excited to be here, I got straight to the middle, it went away. I was able to just be sweet with myself. Of course you are. It's exciting and it's scary, it's both, it's okay. It's great. Can we have the courage to have the whole banquet? The whole banquet. You know, our belief system, because it was trying so hard to keep us safe and alive, my God, we survived. At least we survived. Those strategies worked initially. We survived. We're here. Maybe they're not accurate anymore. Probably not. Most of those beliefs are very narrow. You know, there's good and there's bad. Is there? Is there good and bad? I love that Chinese story about the farmer who sends his son out to find and tame wild horses. And in the process of finding these wild horses, his son breaks his leg. And he comes back to the village and the villagers go, oh, that's so horrible that your son broke his leg, that's just tragic. And the farmer says, mm, maybe good, maybe bad. And the next week, the army came through the village conscripting all the young men, but because he had a broken leg, he was not taken into the army. Maybe good, maybe bad. Maybe both, maybe nothing, maybe just what is. So, there are many paths to freedom insight, asking questions, being willing to listen, being willing to know, being willing to say, to own it, to have it, to accept it, to love it. And I'm talking to a room of people who have already stepped into freedom. There are layers and layers and layers of freedom. And truth, (coughs) what is truth? (laughs) What is truth? Was it true that I believed something? Was that belief true? Maybe it was. Maybe it wasn't. So I really empower you to ask questions of yourself. What do I want? What am I doing? What am I and be, you know, what is that really true thing in your tummy? Not that part that's so well trained that you don't even hear it. That's the tricky stuff. That part that's so well trained that we don't hear it. That's where we start to come conscious. It's that part that responds to a friend, but it's really from way inside obligation of I'm trying to still be good instead of free. But it's layers of this. It's constant, subtle work of coming into more truth of who we are. (coughs) And there's a lot of freedom in that place. And sometimes for me, It's like, you know, drama is great. Stories are so great. Good gossip is so juicy. I mean, I enjoy it sometimes. I've got to own it, you know. There are times (laughs) when you just want to roll around in it. It's like, right, and it doesn't get me anywhere. So what? Sometimes things don't get me anywhere. Can I be human? Can I allow myself? Right now I'm feeling this. Right now I'm feeling that. Right now I'm thinking this. Right now I'm thinking that. We aren't our thoughts. We aren't our feelings. We believe we are. It feels like we are. I have a really... I have one wonderful landlord and one absolutely hideous landlord. And last week I had to deal with my hideous landlord. And I was calm and, uh, and then after it was all over, I was just at home alone, and I started getting these feelings. And usually what I do with those is put them away neatly and do what I'm supposed to do. But I let these feelings come and I was they were just moving over me. I was angry, I was <clears throat> I felt attacked, I felt I wanted to attack back, I felt vulnerable, I felt powerless, I felt terrified, I, but what I, I was amazing what happened, because I just started saying, I feel so scared, I am feeling attacked, I want to attack back. I was present with the whole thing, and what happened was it moved, and it moved through. I didn't get stuck. I didn't make a belief system about it. I didn't become rigid about it. I allowed myself to write it. I, the Dalai Lama is someone who I absolutely adore. <clears throat> and I watched a program with him recently. And some things that he does, it just astounds me. He's sitting, being awarded some big fancy award by some country for being such a man of peace. And he is actually twiddling his thumbs and looking at the flower arrangement. And it's like, huh, he's the Dalai Lama. Yeah, and to him this is a Hallmark card. It's, you know, this. it's not the truth of who he is. And he knows it, and so he's laughing. He's not attached to it. He's kind. He's there's no malice. There's no there's no ego. He's just you know, oh well, blah blah blah. It can be blah blah positive blah. It's just blah blah. Look at there's some pretty flowers over there. How amazing that was to me to watch this man. It's like, oh my God, because part of me still believes I'll be good if I'm good, you know. You endure things you don't like. Well, sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. How can we be true? Hmm... some of the other I have to put my God, I write these things that I it's quite interesting mm-hmm. um, so saying the truth knowing who's talking feeling it in your body and you know these things that we try so hard to avoid it's like i would much rather watch tv i don't want to feel it i those are grist for the mill that's where the truth is every day in the most subtle subtle ways can you be right there that's where the work is you can get ideas from books from teachers but can you be right there at the intersection of your own life Can you visit that place? Can you find the truth right there? Can you have the courage to speak it? I think often of little children. I've had the privilege to be a grandma. And you watch a little baby. And it's like, it's trying to learn to walk. Just the world is unknown. The world is new. There's nothing out there. Just new moment. Every moment new. Stands up and Frap! Falls down very hard on his behind. cries. Tears go away, stands up. No attachment. (laughs) He hasn't decided that. Because I fell down, I'm never gonna walk again. (laughs) Hasn't happened. He gets up and then he beams a smile and he just moves. What is emotion? Energy and motion. You know, but we got locked because we wanted to survive. We got locked into beliefs. We got locked into believing there's no choice. How do we get unlocked? Tell we ask. This is this true? We feel, we inquire, we face it, we own it, we embrace it, and we love it. I had the privilege of being with Thich Nhat Hanh the day after 9-11. Many of us were there in Berkeley. He was speaking. And he said something so astounding. He said he did not want to be in a world without suffering. Because if he was, there would be no compassion. Because he knows that in this body, in this form, we live in a duality. But it's not the truth of who we are. But we get to have a multitude of experiences. And some of them are so real, they're in the cells of our body. But as we start to really get them and embrace them and have compassion, they shift. We open, we transform. We find that's what really is there, is amazing loving-kindness, and happiness even, laughter even. Mm -mm. I want to read you something my friend sent me, and it's one of these things that just knocks your socks off. It's a quote from The End of Your World by Adyashanti. Make no mistake about it, enlightenment is a destructive process. It has nothing to do with becoming better or being happier. Enlightenment is the crumbling away of untruth. It's seeing through the facade of pretense. It's the complete eradication of everything we imagined to be true. Sounds like fun, doesn't it? So, in closing this morning when I was... Oh, that's another little one I want to share with you. This business of having it all I don't, you know, this experience happened to me one time, as I was getting into my bathtub. I suddenly had like a flash, it was perhaps a past life, I don't know, but I was sitting in the tub and having this strong memory of sitting in this tall, narrow room, and I looked up and there was a window. And the light was coming out of the window and I followed the light down and the light was shining on me. And I was like a skeleton. And I thought, oh, that's what starving to death is. No energy, no terror, just curiosity. Oh, that's what that was. Someday for all of us, that freedom is there. Oh. That's what that was. No energy, no angst. I said, oh, that's what that was. I'm fine. I'm fine. It's not who I am. That was just an experiential thing. It's not who I am. So, this business of being enslaved or free. To me this morning, freedom is the courage to own, accept, and embrace all of yourself with kindness, every part of kindness. Thank you so much. Anyone have anything they'd like to share? Uh,
1: <clears throat> the last time you were with us, you were uh, <clears throat> getting ready to go into the hospital for eye surgery, and I'm just wondering how that experience was, and if you're okay.
2: Thank you so much. It was. It was a. a positive experience. I have more to go. I'm debating whether to do it or not, but thank you so much for asking. It, it was a healing experience. Thank you.
1: <clears throat> yes? Yeah, I'd just like to thank you for a very um, uh, generous uh, talk this morning. It was uh, graphic and very useful. And do you think... what is your theory about um, uh, the purpose of suffering, or, the, or the, how the mechanism of the ego evolved? Is it, is it a front man for um, demanding enlightenment eventually, or I, I just... how do you... What, what's your take on it?
2: In some ways I think it is. Mm-hmm. I think it is. I think, you know, as we start to become conscious and we start to learn things, we think ego is something to get rid of. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's not. It's never going to go away, number one. Mm -hmm. Number two, I think if we can really listen to it, it's kind of like pain. You get pain in your thumb, it's like, no, the stove's hot. Mm -hmm. Um, If you can deeply listen to what... Your ego is saying, "There is freedom is on the other side." It's 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 the one side of the duality when you haven't seen the other. I think its initial purpose is to keep us safe and alive. So it's kind of an instinctual thing. You know, it's, animals don't have it, but it's part of our surviving as conscious beings. When the world doesn't make sense, we make up beliefs. And then later discovered that those beliefs are not necessarily true anymore. In the meanwhile, they're going to hold, that ego will hold on tight until it's convinced that we have a new reality. And then it will get quieter. A thing that Thich Nhat Hanh says that I adore, he calls it habit energy. And that's why it gets so strong. I mean, we practice those beliefs. We practice them with our whole heart so diligently. <laughs> you know, And we, we meditate on them, and we say them all the time, even though we're not conscious of it. It's like, well, I'm, it's constantly running in us. Techno Han says, Hello, I have an energy. <laughs> I know you're here. Hello, I recognize you. Hello, I know who you are. I'm not going to kill you or make you go away. That's another erroneous belief we have: is that we can take a part of us and tear it out, or paste it up, or fix it, or change it. It's like oh, maybe what we need to do is just be with it. I, what helps me often is the small child analogy. You know, if I, if there was a small child in front of me, and I was saying the stuff to that child that my ego says to me. Would I do that? No way. Would I put that much hatred on another being? No. Would I put that much judgment? No. So it can be the it can be the catalyst, the beginning of inquiry. But just learning to separate and hear it is is masterful work. Was there a question back then?
0: Just a comment. I appreciate the the courage you have in letting your process be the message, be the process, be the message. It was all in synchronicity. And it was really uh, great to experience your being in that process in the present moment too.
2: Thank you so much. Mm
1: Okay. I'm, I'm going to talk about uh, your hesitation about calling somebody to help you move pieces of wood. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not sure if it was a metaphor, but if you want my number...
2: <laughs> <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Thank you. I would like your number. <laughs> <clears throat> Any
1: other questions?
0: Experience a lot I don't, can't make sense out of it but it's the experience which is something will loom up in front of me and my first response is I can't do that I absolutely can't do that and um, what's turned out to be part of the practice is to allow that feeling of I can't do it to stay and stay and stay and then suddenly from one second to another it goes from I can't do it than to, this is a real opportunity, you know? <laughs> you know, but there's nothing I can do about the process. All I can do is not push away the part of me that says, I can't do it. I just can't do it. I can't do it. And so there's something kind of paradoxical or something that's going on there that by my fully allowing the helplessness and the fear really, it's enormous fear, to be present with that there's something about staying present and staying present and staying present causes it to shift in some way I have no idea
2: exactly exactly and that's the thread that was running through here and that's you know that's deep masterful practice because we want to run away when it's scary or we want to beat it up or we want to do something else to it or medicate it or distract it or God, who wants to be in that position? But that very position is the key to the freedom. And if you have the courage, that's why the courage is so essential. Can you stay with that? Because then it becomes the cloud. It comes and goes. And congratulations on being able to be that vulnerable with yourself, that present with yourself. And the wonderful thing about that is when you, the more you do that with yourself we are automatically doing it with everyone else. You are giving a gift of peace and freedom to the world when you have the courage to be with that scary part. That's how we prevent war. Thank you.
1: Karen, do you, do you want to stay for a few minutes and answer any other questions?
2: Sure. Thank Delighting. Let's thank, questions. thank you so much for having me. Are there any announcements? Yes. Sir. Karen, thank you. I've known you since the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> We've made it this so. um, <laughs> far. <laughs> thank you for joining us. Uh, next week our speaker
1: will be Irina Weisson. announcements. Uh, there are freshly baked chocolate chip scones and tea, if you're welcome or invited to stay and partake of. Please wash your cup if you have tea. Uh, I will be coming around with a, a Donna bowl and we ask for a contribution of 5 to $8 to help pay the expense of the Sangha, rent the space, pay the speakers, things like that. Uh, and you know, more or less depending on your, your ability. Uh, some people go to lunch at 12.30 if you're interested in that, hang out by the front door right around 12.30. And uh, we also have a sign-up sheet, this is especially for the newcomers if you'd like to receive the newsletter either in paper form or electronically, you can sign up on the table out here just outside the door. and i usually forget at least one host announcement that i like, forget it maybe that's all so if that's it, let's join in a circle mm-hmm. you like to, or you want to see that a keeper do you want to just say to to for dedication or do you want excuse me my
2: was that would you like to sit you were just to close our dedication manner practice or Sure, thank you. I'd love to. Mm -hmm. Allow yourself to take a wonderful breath. To come all the way here into your body and into this present moment. Feeling the love and the support of the Sangha, the Dharma gift that every individual here brings. We open our hearts in gratitude to this Sangha and the greater Sangha of the world. And all those realms of light that support us. We offer gratitude for all of the gifts and tools we are given. And we also offer our deep meditative metta practice. May we and all beings be free from suffering. May we and all beings awaken to our true self. May we and all beings know true happiness. May we and all beings walk in freedom and peace. May we each bring tender, loving kindness to all that we are. When you're ready,